hear the good news of Jesus at this Christmas season. Amen? Yeah. All right. So this is week six today, final week in our series, Training for Reigning. We've been talking about the life of Joseph and how God works in every circumstance, every circumstance in our lives, the ones we like, the ones we don't like. God's at work in every circumstance. He doesn't make them happen necessarily, depending on what they are, but he works in them. He works in us, right? And He works in every circumstance and every season of our lives to equip and prepare us to walk in greater levels of spiritual authority. And uh, today we're actually going to be talking about growing in authority. Growing in authority. We'll be looking at what happened when Joseph rose to a position. Finally, after God had given him a dream and 13 years passed um, between that and he ends up a slave, he ends up in prison and all this stuff happens for 13 years. And then finally the moment happens, the Kairos moment, if you remember that from two weeks ago. The the moment that God had a divine appointment for Joseph to step into his position of authority. And uh, he steps into this place of authority and power in Egypt. What kind of person did Joseph choose to be when that happened? We're going to look at the authority of the kingdom of God and how it's different than the authority of the world. Important stuff. All right? First of all, we want to look at Authority versus power. Uh oh. Forgot my glasses. See how this goes. Genesis. If you just bring me my backpack, Pastor Graham, that would be awesome. Genesis chapter 41. Forty-one. We're going to need to wait for those glasses. Ah, <laughs> oh, awesome. Thank you. I'm here for that. You are. All right. Genesis 41, starting in verse 33. And now let Pharaoh... So, so Joseph, Joseph has just been pulled out of prison because the the cupbearer to the king remembered that Joseph had interpreted his dream. He gets pulled out of prison, brought into the presence of the Pharaoh, the king, the emperor of Egypt, greatest superpower in the world at the time, brought into the presence of the Pharaoh. And and here's Pharaoh's dreams and interprets them for, for him. Verse 33, and now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man, this is Joseph speaking, and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. 
this food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom the Spirit is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger. That means Joseph had the authority to make any statement, declaration, letter, anything with the signature of the Pharaoh on it. Right? That's pretty significant. It's not just a piece of jewelry. Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in the robes of fine linen and put gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And people shouted before him, make way. Thus he, was, he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. So, let's consider... Little little parable here for a moment. Let's consider for a moment the dis- difference between two people walking into a crowd of people holding a loaded handgun. Okay? One of these people is a terrorist. One of them is a police officer. What is the same about these two people? What is the same about them? They both wield power in their hand to strike fear in others and to injure or even kill others with the gun in their hand. Right? They both hold that power in their hand. What is different about these two people? The terrorist may have power, but he has power without authority, right? He is unstable and untrusted. His intention is to use the power for his own selfish agenda. The police officer, on the other hand, has been trained. He's gone through rigorous training in his psychological profile. He's proven himself in the field. He's been entrusted by the state with a badge. And he has the confidence of his superiors and his peers to enforce the law and protect and serve citizens. He has authority because he is under authority. Right? He has authority because he is under authority. He has authority not just because he has a title or a position, but because of a number of factors that have proven and qualified him with the authority to be trusted to wield power for, assumingly, a righteous 
purpose. Now, is it possible that he could be corrupted? Is it possible that he also has motives that are selfish or harmful? Yes, of course it's possible. But it's less likely, for sure, than the terrorist um, who doesn't necessarily have to answer to anyone. And the more that this, if this policeman's character is corrupted, the more his character is corrupted, the more his authority diminishes. He may still have the power, but his authority diminishes. Follow? So this picture gives us a little bit of a, an image of the difference between power and authority. Power is not good or bad in itself, but it can be used for good or bad purposes, right? Authority is a, a weightiness, a confidence that is partially granted and partially earned that makes one worthy of being trusted with power. Right? Joseph had power to be revered as he rode through the streets in his presidential motorcade. Right? He had power to control the wealth of the richest and most powerful empire on the earth at the time. He had power basically to do whatever he wanted. But he was trusted with this power because, uh, because Pharaoh recognized the authority that exuded from his life. He said, this man knows God. Is, where is anyone like this man in whom is the Spirit of God? If God has told you these things, then there is no one that, com- that compares to your discernment and wisdom, Pharaoh said, right? He recognized this man knows God. He recognized that Joseph's life had been tested through trials, difficulties, and suffering. His life had been shaped and tested through life. And he recognized that there was a proven character and wisdom that Joseph carried that was part of who he was. And because of these things, Pharaoh said, I can trust this man with almost ultimate authority, ultimate power in my kingdom. We are often, as followers of Jesus, we are often looking for God to entrust us with His power, but we are often unwilling to pay the cost that brings authority. I think that's worth saying again. We are often looking for God to entrust us with power but we are often unwilling to pay the cost that brings authority. We need to know God. We need to be tested in the sufferings and trials of life 
And we need to have a strength of character which God can trust with His power. And when God recognizes that someone has authority because they've been with Him, because they've trusted Him through difficulties, and because they've come out the other end of those difficulties with a strength of character, then He says, I can trust that one. I can pour out my power on that one. Right? Authority to serve. Let's read uh, in chapter 42, touching down just in a few places in in, uh, the last parts of Joseph's story here. Chapter 42, starting in verse 44, first of all. There is no verse 44. Sorry. I think I'm in chapter 43, verse 44. Maybe. What is going on? What is going on? Why are you laughing? It's not funny. Well, uh uh-oh. I heard that. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. How did I write down the wrong verses here? All my verses are wrong. All right. Well, let's try and find it. Sorry, folks. Um, 44 verses. Starting verse 1. Um, now, Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of his house. So this is Joseph responding to his brothers um, who have come. They don't know who he is. And uh, wow, this is crazy. Okay, let's try it here. Chapter 42, verse 6. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where did you come from, he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, You are spies. You've come to see where our land is unprotected. And skip down to um, verse 21. 
They said to one another, surely we are being punished because of our brother. So they remembered that they had sold Joseph into slavery. As far as they know, he's dead. Um, we, saw, we saw how distressed he was when he pleaded for us with us for his life. But we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. Reuben replied, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. He turned away from them, began to weep, but then he came back and spoke to them saying, um, spoke to them again. Um, Verse 25, Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain, to put each man's silver back in his sack and to give them provisions for their journey. After this, was done for them, he load, they loaded their grain on their donkeys and left. So, authority in the kingdom of God looks different than authority in the world. Um, Jesus gave us maybe the most explicit example of this uh, in his life. When, in, in John 13, starting in verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water in a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel around him. Isn't that amazing? Jesus knew that the Father had put all authority, given all authority to him. So he wraps a towel around his waist, takes a bowl of water, and washes their feet. Joseph shows the same spirit when he's given authority over all things by Pharaoh. He doesn't start a foundation in his honor. He doesn't set about lording it over the Egyptians who had treated him like property, But instead, he immediately implements a plan that will help and protect the very empire that had oppressed him. He he helps the Egyptians. They had been his slave owners. They had been his prison masters. And yet, Joseph serves them by, by putting together his plan of setting aside grain for during the years of, of plenty and, and, and then selling it to them, giving, providing it for them in the years of, of, of famine. And then he does the same with his brothers. He, he, he serves them, right? Joseph used his, his authority to serve. Jesus said, in Mark 10:45 he says even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus Jesus had authority and used it to serve. Jesus gave his servants his his disciples his uh, authority. Why? So that they could feel important? So they could feel powerful? No, so they could serve. 
So they could use that authority to push back the darkness in people's lives. I'm going to take a quick jump to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, verse 17. Jesus replied, Peter has just said that Jesus is the the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, keys speak of authority, don't they? If you're trusted with keys, you're trusted with authority. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Why did Jesus give his disciples authority? Why did he give them the keys of the kingdom? So they could bind up what needed to be bound up and they could loose what needed to be loosed. Jesus walked around binding spirits that needed to be bound and casting them out of people's lives, setting them free. Jesus walked around bringing healing and life and hope to people who needed it. Changing people's lives. He used the Father's authority to serve and to help others. And He gave us His authority for that same purpose. To bind what needs to be bound and to loose what needs to be loosed. Sometimes when God doesn't seem to trust us with more authority, it might might be because we've used our authority to serve ourselves instead of to serve others. We need to learn as the church, we need to learn humility, we need to learn that God's authority given to us is not about us. It's not about us. This is not about you. The church does not exist for the church's own enjoyment. So if you come to church and you're like, well, I don't like the music style. Oh, when was worship about you? It's not for you, it's for Jesus. Right? And we're here to serve It's not about us, not the programs, not the ministry, not positions. None of it is about me, it's about us. It's about the mission. Jesus gives us authority for the mission to go do what he's called us to do. It's to serve. Authority is given to be merciful. I already read a passage about about Joseph and his brothers. 
Um, let's jump to Genesis 45, another, another encounter with his brothers. 45 verse 1. And Joseph could no longer control himself. This is the second time that his brothers have come back. Joseph could no longer control himself before all of his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one that you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You and your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves and you can... Uh, And so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father all about the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen. And bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. When we are given authority... We often have a chance to choose between being vengeful or merciful. From Joseph with his brothers to David with Saul in the cave to Jesus forgiving the soldiers who drove spikes through his wrists. We are shown that God invites us to share in His authority so that we can demonstrate mercy. Micah 6 verse 8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. In fact, after teaching us to pray about God's kingdom come and His will be done on earth, Jesus tells us to declare our forgiveness of those who have wronged us even as we ask God to forgive us for our own sin. 
Learning to function in kingdom authority involves learning to function in mercy. Treating others the way that we ourselves wish to be treated. When Joseph meets his brothers after 15 years, he recognizes them immediately and they don't recognize him. He presses them a bit to test them. To test their character. He sends them home with the grain they wanted and their money in their sacks. He could have arrested them. Could have tortured them. Could have sold them as slaves. Could have had them killed for the things that they did to him. But instead, he shows them mercy. Who have you fantasized about getting even with? Have you ever wished you had the power to make someone pay? Or to control their lives? We like to think that if we were in control, things would be so much better. But better for who? Within a couple centuries of Christians gaining control of the halls of power in the Roman Empire, they were doing to the barbarians and the pagans the same things that were being done to them when the pagans were in control. Isn't that sad? When the Protestant Reformation swept across Europe, throwing off the shackles of religious control from corrupt church officials. As many as 100,000 people were killed by rioting mobs just for the crime of being Catholic. Isn't that horrific? And when another wave of reformers arose in the next generation, followers of a man named Menno Simons, who his followers would come to be known as the Mennonites. They preached that people needed to be baptized by immersion in water for repentance. And so some of the Lutherans and Calvinists thought it would be appropriate to kill these, quote, heretics by drowning them as a parody of their own teachings of baptism. Those who go from oppressed to holding power and authority often use their power and authority to do the same terrible things as those who had oppressed them. But Jesus calls us to love and mercy. You will know true kingdom authority when it demonstrates mercy. Are we people of mercy? And lastly, this morning, authority to empower others. One more spot to drop down in Genesis. Genesis 50, starting in verse 15. <clears throat> Genesis 
When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead. So at the end of his life, in, uh, in chapter 49, Jacob, Jacob, Joseph's father, also known as Israel, knows his, his end is coming and he blesses, he speaks blessing over all 12 of his sons. And then he dies. And verse 15, when Joseph... Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead. They said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of your servants of the of the, uh, please forgive the sins of the servants of God, of the God of your father. When their message came to Joseph, he wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. This passage tells of what might be Joseph's greatest test of all. When his father had died, The famine was over, and he had no reason to hold back if he still held a grudge, if he still wanted to get them. This was his opportunity. But what did he use his authority for? Once again, he had an opportunity to unleash anger on his brothers, but instead he not only chooses mercy, but he chooses to set them up in the land for multi-generational success. I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to provide for you and your families. You're going to be set and you're going to be protected. You're going to be okay. He empowered his family, his brothers. Kingdom authority is for the empowering of others. Jesus received authority from the Father and he used it to empower his disciples. Earthly, fleshly authority withholds power because it believes that if I empower others, I will lose authority. It seeks power for ourselves. But Jesus showed us that when we live to empower others, we actually grow in authority. Because we show God and others that we can be trusted to not use authority for selfish purposes. I have known churches with mindsets of earthly authority, controlling, suspicious, pushing others down. And I've known churches with a mindset of kingdom authority, building others up, encouraging and empowering others. 
And folks, we want to grow here at Evangel. We want to grow in kingdom authority, in empowering and encouraging and lifting up others. Let's stand. So what have we learned spending six weeks with Joseph? What have we learned? We have learned that God has a dream for you. He has a dream for your life. And He will bring it to pass if you cooperate with Him. And the dream will keep you faithful. The dream will keep you growing. We've learned that we all have dysfunctions and obstacles in our lives. Whether it's the family that we came from, personal limitations, or personal failures, but God shows us through the life of Joseph and so many others in Scripture that He will use the very things that we think are challenges, He will use them to build strength in our lives if we trust Him. We've learned that if we're going to be victorious in our journey, we must learn to conquer our dark side, that we all have one. And God has called us to conquer it. There's no point in denying that we have a dark side, that we have the propensity, the the possibility for terrible sin in our lives. We must live constantly surrendered to Jesus. Joseph overcame by his faithfulness. He showed himself trustworthy in every season. We've learned that we have kairos moments in our lives, divine appointments that God has set up for us to do the works of the kingdom as we serve others. It is our responsibility to watch for those moments, to seize them, step out of our comfort zone and seize those opportunities and those moments to serve and see others come to know Jesus. And we've learned today that God longs to trust His people with kingdom authority. Because as we exercise kingdom authority, the kingdom of darkness is pushed back. And lives are changed. God is looking for people who understand who they are, understand who God is, understand that they're not here for themselves, but they're here to serve. So God, I thank you for this journey that we've been on. Learning about Joseph, learning about us. Learning about, God, how you work in our lives to grow us, strengthen us. Thank you, God, for the lessons we've been able to grab, the nuggets we've been able to grab over the last number of weeks. God, today we stand before you, a church in need of you because there is a big mission in our city, a big job you've sent us to do and we cannot do it without your authority, without your power. God, I pray that that we would continue to grow in humility, 
we would continue to grow in authority, that we would continue to grow as people that you entrust with your power so that lives can be changed, so that what's bound can be loosed and what needs to be bound can be bound in the name of Jesus. So God, we thank you. Thank you for your calling. Thank you for your purpose. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Come and move in us and through us, we pray. In Jesus' powerful name, amen.